Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Death Space Filling the Void. It was really nice to get a week off from, from posting podcasts to just enjoy Thanksgiving. Hope yours was great. Jamie and I went up to Minnesota, Minneapolis, to spend time with Jamie's grandmother, Barbara, who was great. Very long drive from Charleston. <laughs> but we like to break it up, and we like to see different places, and check things out and and so that was fun we we stayed on the way there we stayed in eastern tennessee in the appalachian mountains appalachian i don't know i've heard it both both ways and then a little corner of uh, northwest illinois before popping into minnesota and on the way back we stayed northeast of indianapolis it was like upland indiana or something like that and then Asheville, north carolina is my first time checking out Asheville. a lot of fun very hipster which I'm okay with. I'm into it. A lot of green space, a lot of breweries. I mean, what else more could you want? But yeah, happy to be back. Well, I do have a bit of exciting big news to share, and that is that Jamie and I are engaged. Yeah, it happened about about a month ago. I got down on one knee at, at Sullivan's Island Beach here in Charleston. It's a beach that we like going to and, and we've had a lot of fun at, so felt like the right place. I hired a photographer and a makeup artist, and we took a lot of amazing pictures in, in the Battery in Charleston and, and up Rainbow Row, and and I'm so happy we did. The pictures are fantastic. Ate some great food after, and I'm extremely lucky and, and happy. So yeah. Oof, that'll make you anxious, huh? Proposing. <laughs> but thankfully, Jamie said yes. Well, we've got another wonderful episode today. I interviewed Katie Stern. Katie is the executive director and co-founder of The Little Fox, Toby's foundation. Katie and her family, unfortunately, lost their son, Toby, to SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, something I didn't know a ton about. Katie had a lot of information about SIDS and, and was so open and honest about her and her family's grief and, and the moments surrounding Toby's death it's it's a very emotional story and and I'm super thankful to Katie for for sharing it I think it'll help a lot of people who unfortunately SIDS has touched their life in some way and also the Little Fox Foundation can certainly help put parents anxieties or, or fears to bed a little bit with with the monitors that they're providing families as well as the education available on on their website but don't worry i'll let katie explain all that in the interview but before we get there i just want to remind you that if you're liking the show to please remember to rate and review it and to check us out on facebook instagram twitter and youtube all right dusting the cobwebs off after a week off thank you so much to katie thank you so much to you and enjoy joining me now on the podcast is katie stern who's the executive director of the Little Foxes Foundation. Katie, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you, Pat. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited for the conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. We connected over social media in in relation to SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I don't know a ton about SIDS. Do you know how prevalent it is or, I mean, other than knowing what it is, I, I guess I'm a little bit in the dark. Yeah, so SIDS actually, sudden infant death syndrome, or it's sometimes referred to as sudden unexplained infant death syndrome, mm-hmm. so it can be called SUIDS as well. 
is something that happens to at least 3,500 infants each year. And so it is definitely something that is still such a hard topic for parents to talk about who have gone through it. And it is commonly between the ages of zero to 12 months old. Mm. So as you can imagine, having to experience something during that time period of an infant's life is just tragic for the reason of unexplained. There is no reasoning. There is no research connected to why it happens. I think I think the thing that I, you know, really want people to understand about SIDS is it can happen to anyone. And that is scary, but it, it's, it's also very much the truth. You see and you hear about parents like us who have gone through this and you think, I'll do everything right. I'll listen to everything the doctors tell me. No stone left unturned for our child. And that was Dan and I, my husband and I, that that's what we did. And our son, Toby, who passed away from SIDS was perfectly healthy. He was beautiful and thriving and there was no extenuating circumstances for why he died. And I think that is, at least for me, I will say that is the one thing that I will carry with me for the rest of my life that is just so unsettling is we just don't know what the reason is that he is not here with us anymore. So it, it, it's, it, it's not one thing. It's not like a heart issue. It, it, it could be different for, for each child. Right. Yes, it can oh be. Gosh. And we had a very extensive autopsy done when Toby died. It took nine months to oh do it gosh. and to get the report back. And that time varies per state is what I have heard from other families who have lost a child to SIDS and have gone through this process, but there were no flags on anything for Toby that would indicate, you know, that it was something that was undetermined, you know, prior to his death or something that went undetected once he was born. It was, it was nothing like that. And um, I had a completely normal and healthy pregnancy. I actually am a type one diabetic. And so going through pregnancies for me have been high risk from, mm -hmm. from the beginning. And I go through not only seeing, you know, an OBGYN, but a maternal fetal specialist and just a lot of testing and a lot of additional things that a normal regular pregnancy wouldn't have. So in terms of like being checked and making sure that we ran everything and, and looked at every possible angle that we could for his delivery and mine, we, we did that and, and there was nothing. And that's the thing that is just, just so unsettling because from a parent's perspective, and I have said this a lot in, in talking about this and talking about our journey. As a parent, you think it's your job to protect your children. You should do everything possible to make sure that they are well taken care of, that they're happy, you know, that they're thriving, that they know that they're loved. And we did all of that. And he still isn't here with us. And so 
that is the unsettling part for me. And that's where there's guilt that comes along with this because you think, you know, you know, in your mind that there's nothing that we could have done to save him. But in your heart, you always think, what if I would have done something different, you know, that day? What if I would have done one thing to just change the course of how that day would have gone? Would that have changed Mm-hmm. anything would he still be here with us and we're so, so hard on ourselves for, for yeah like that yeah and, we yeah. are i know we you are know. yeah and it's in and, and and in the same sense you know we say to ourselves don't don't do that don't go down don't mm-hmm. go down that path again because you know but you you can't we can't stop ourselves from that mm-hmm. because that's just from a parental perspective it's what we want for our children we want the best for them always yeah do you think this is something that I'm picking up a little bit on from, from what you're saying? Do you think people, when they hear that your child passed away from SIDS, that there's almost like a bit of an accusation in, in how they react that like, oh, you must have done something wrong. Is, is that something you feel? Yeah, I think when Toby first died, there were a lot of questions surrounding how he had died and what mm-hmm. happened to him. You know, and one of the things that that can happen to infants if there is something in the crib with them or they're not put down in a safe sleep environment, they can suffocate because they, you know, don't have the power to roll over or get out of something that may have caused that. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of questions surrounding that, but Toby was not put down in an unsafe place. He was simply in a onesie put down for an afternoon nap and he was checked on, you know, about 10 minutes prior to going back and and finding him unresponsive. And he was perfectly fine 10 minutes before that. He was still asleep, still breathing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry that I can imagine. Uh, Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. What what is that? I mean, I want to ask you about Toby, right? How old he was? Like, what's a what's a a fun memory that that you have of him? Or, or tell me about Toby. We were so blessed because we had Toby for he was twelve weeks and five days old when he passed away. Toby was born at the end of May, May twenty seventh. And he died August 24th. And my husband is a school teacher. And so he was home for the summer too. So while I was on maternity leave, Dan was home and we have our older son at the time was Lucas. He was nearly two. He turned two right after Toby passed away. So we spent the entire summer together just enjoying summer. I mean, we we did everything with those boys. We went to the pool. We went to the park. Like we just made the best of being a family of four at that time. And I think about that now. And I mean, I, I have thought about it a lot because people have said to me, like, think of all the stuff that you guys did, you know, because when you first have a baby, there's a lot of people don't, want to go out. They don't want to do a lot of things. Sometimes you're just not physically able. My first pregnancy after I had Luke, our older son, I had, I, you know, I, I did not have 
the ability to to do what I did when we had Toby. I just wasn't from a health perspective. I wasn't there where I was the summer that we had Toby, and so it's just uh, you weren't you weren't feeling well. Your body yeah, was just I like just, recovering. Um, I just didn't recover uh, okay. as easily as I had with Toby in that pregnancy. And Luke was a colicky baby. And so Mm. there were a lot of things in the first four months with Luke that just weren't possible to Mm. do. And, And when I look back on that, I think to myself, like, were we given all those opportunities, you know, as like blessings so that we could hold on to them as things that we had got to do with Toby while he was here? I think those are the things that are just helpful to Dan and I, you know, and our family that we got to make as many memories as we did. Toby was just such an attentive baby from the start. And he was always smiling and just really focused on whoever was with him. And again, looking back with Luke, and now we have a younger son, Zeke, even in his time during the first couple months, you know, I often compare that time and I think like they weren't like Toby in terms of like what their personality coming out and just being able to see him. And so mm-hmm. I just take that as a blessing for Dan and I that we that we got to experience his personality and we know who he was before he died. And so those are the things that like we carry with us up until that point. And When Toby died, um, Dan had just started back to school. It was about ready for school to start, uh, the school year to start. And I had just gone back to work off of maternity leave. And so Toby was at the babysitters and Luke was there with him too. And I dropped them off that morning to, to go to work. It was just a typical morning. It was a typical day as parents, you know, know the mornings are crazy trying to get everybody ready and out the door for work and school and the sitters. And so I dropped them off and I, you know, I remember kissing both of them and I said to them, have a good day. I love you. Be good. Dad will pick you up and I'll see you at home. And I went to work that day and everything changed. Toby went down for a nap at about two o'clock in the afternoon. And I had gone into a meeting for work. And when I came out of the meeting, I just had a lot of missed calls on my phone from Dan and a bunch of numbers that I didn't know. And so before I even listened to anything, I just had already known in my heart that something was terribly wrong. And so Dan had made it to the hospital before I did uh, because he was, he was closer. He left school and went right there. And I was actually downtown Pittsburgh and we live about 20 minutes outside of the city. And so I had to get there at like four o'clock in the afternoon and sitting in traffic, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's where the trauma and the PTSD for Dan and I comes in for that day because you are just, I mean, I know for me, I was just in complete shock. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to do. And, oh, geez, I remember uh, getting to the hospital and it had been about an hour or so since they had brought Toby in. 
and a nurse came out to get me from the emergency room and she said you know i'll take you back and we walked back through the hallways and i mean i can i can see these moments are just ingrained in my mind and it's like time uh, slows slows mm-hmm, yeah. to a complete stop and um she stood at the door of the room and she said are you sure that you're ready for this And her words will forever just be in my mind because no one had told me up until that point, no one had actually said to me that Toby died. They just told me that he wasn't breathing and that he was at the hospital. And when I had spoke with Dan, Dan just said, you need to get here as quickly as you can. And, and then she said that to me before she opened the door to the emergency room and, um, I just knew at that point that he was gone. When I walked in there, it was just Dan holding Toby. He was the only one in the room. And uh, I just looked at Dan and, and, I, and he said he died. And um, I just really, I feel like the rest of that time that we spent there in the hospital is so, um, cloudy to me like I don't I don't I remember pieces of it but not a lot of it people coming in and out but that is such a traumatic piece of that whole day for Dan and I and it it will be forever and it's just that's the part that you know during the worst milestones and just August is just really hard knowing that we're going through that month and it's the final days that we had Toby and getting to the 24th every year. And I think that's the trauma that, that Dan and I relive. And I think too, you know, just from, just in speaking with people that have gone through a traumatic death experience. And even when you get, so this past August, it was five years since Toby died there are pieces of that day and of what we went through just in the weeks days weeks following toby's death that that will never leave dan and i no matter how long we have gone since toby has passed and and i think that that's that timetable or time allotment for grief is so strange to me. And I think it's probably because people that haven't gone through it think that you reach a point where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm past certain pieces of it. And I just, when I talk about this in our story, I think it's so important to just stress that there is no timetable. There is no through, there is no past, you know, it's like, we are carrying this with us forever. And these are pieces of that day and pieces of the trauma that will never be gone from us. And I think it's the same for anyone that has gone through trauma. And there shouldn't be, from a societal perspective, I think there shouldn't be anyone telling a person that has gone through trauma that it's time, you know, Mm -hmm. or you've you've spent enough time in this period because 
there are so many different periods that we go through and different stages of grief. I think the biggest thing for grievers is that we want that acknowledged that just because another year has gone, another month has gone at the very beginning from when Toby died, it was for Dan and I, it was like, let's get through an hour. Let's get through a day. But that was the only way that we could do it. And the only way that we could, we could look at taking another step because it was just so traumatic and, and so heavy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Definitely was tearing up just hearing that. That sounds just so hard. You know, what you just described is, is nothing short of a nightmare, right? For a parent Mm -hmm. to have to go through, you know, you talked about going hour to hour, How, how, for someone who this unfortunately just happened to them today, how, how did you both crawl out of that that pit of, of despair and and get back on your feet over time? I'm, I'm, how do you even? Yeah, it that? um it absolutely was over time. We're still doing it. I think the hardest thing with at least for for me with grief and the I think the biggest realization was that. Dan and I were both grieving the loss of our son, but we weren't grieving the same. We weren't feeling the same emotions at the same time. And at first, that was really, really hard. And to be able to come to that realization and to acknowledge where each of us were, where we were standing in that particular moment in our grief, whether it was sadness or anger or disbelief. It was something that we sort of had to discover through this process. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't easy on our marriage. And we both have talked about that. And we are very open about those experiences and what what we went through in talking with other partners, other married couples, when you go through grief, because for us, it took getting to that point where we understood that we were both going through the same experience, but at different points to really be able to say to each other, and honestly, it was Dan that said it to me, we're not going to get through this unless we do it together beside each other, walking with each other, helping each other. And that is something that I really think um, has been a just foundational piece for our marriage moving forward, because as we surpassed year one and sort of got into, and I use the the term seasons. There, there are different seasons of grief through the year, things that, that trigger certain emotions for, for each of us for different reasons. And I feel like when we started to get to a point where we could realize those and knew that they were coming, it was easier to support each other mm-hmm. and help each other through that. But at the very beginning, I just didn't know. I, I had no I had no idea what I was going to do. 
I, I honestly didn't. Like I, I honestly felt as though I knew who I was before Toby died as a mom, as a person, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. But I knew that I wasn't that person anymore because a piece of me was just gone. And I didn't know how I was going to get back up off the ground for like myself. And I remember the first, it was probably a, like a week or so after Toby died. We, I mean, we had just been very, very fortunate to have a lot of family and friends who were there for us. And quite honestly, they did things that I don't even know that they did. I mean, they, they took care of Luke. They took care of our house. They were just there with us. And it was so helpful because we, we, we didn't even, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know where we were supposed to be. For us at the very beginning, the important thing was that Luke was taken care of because we didn't want him to just lose the, the house and the, the love and the parenting that he was used to. And so he was our rock and he was our reason for getting up out of bed every day mm -hmm. when you didn't want to, when you didn't sleep all night because the dark and like the nighttime was the worst for me in those beginning months. And I think it was because for Toby, when he was, when he would wake up during the night to feed and whatnot, that I was the one that was with him and feeding him, you know, through the night and putting him back to sleep. But if all of the lights were turned out, this was just something that was like a, a thing for him. He wouldn't go back to sleep. So he always needed like a night light on to go back to sleep. And once he was very much asleep, like you could turn the light off, but it was just always something for him like that. And that was something that for me was a trigger, like for nighttime, I couldn't, the dark, everything being dark, dark, that was just something that I couldn't, I couldn't deal with. Like it just, it really broke me because I felt like this should be on because that's, this is how Toby would sleep. And, and so for me, that was just a really hard time of day. And so I struggled with sleeping and sleeping through the night. And it took a very long time for me to get to a point where I could sleep through the night. And I just feel like those are things, you know, different triggers that we have as, as grievers that we have to figure out a way to overcome, to get to a point where we feel somewhat normal. Oh man. And how, how are you, how are you doing now? Are you feeling managing it a little bit better? I feel like we are. I feel like we're still very much a work in progress. Mm -hmm. I feel that there are, it's the middle of September now. So we've just come out of that month for us, that, that core month. And so I always feel like September is our sort of recovery time because August just sucks everything out of us because we spend so much time trying to prepare ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically for just the pain that is coming mm -hmm. on the anniversary of his death. And then you get through that date and you're just exhausted. And so I feel like it takes us some time to recover from that. 
I would feel like in the past like two years, Dan and I have said September is is busy anyway with school getting back in session, routines, you know, kind of changing, schedules changing with the kids and stuff. And so we try to limit really what else we do in September just because we need that time to just Mm -hmm. recover and not do anything at all, but be with each other and be with the boys. And so that's definitely something I feel like for me specifically opportunities like this to talk about our story and to talk about the things that we have gone through and what we've experienced, whether that's good or bad, they've been a really helpful outlet for me because it, I just feel like when I talk and tell our story and, and, and talk about our circumstance, there are a lot of people that come back and say, you know, people that we don't even know that say, your story touched me because of this, or I went through this and I couldn't talk about it. And so thank you for saying what you have. And so it's not only... I love to talk about Toby because he is our son and he is part of our life and what happened to him and the reason that he isn't here has really shifted how our life is right now. Like I I think there are just a lot of things, there are a lot of people in our life who may not have been here had they not been put in our path after his death whether it was for the reason that some of these people are, are going through grief or have gone lost lost a loved one or lost a child too and have shared their story with us and others have just become a resource for us because they've cared you know and they they have taken the time to sit with us in grief and i think you know that's important and they may not have been here had we not gone through the experience that we did with toby yeah, that's so nice to to have such a, a nice support system and, and to have people in your life that you know have seen you guys tackle such difficult times, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask you about how you spoke about Toby's death to, to Luke. But before that, I want to ask you, how did the babysitter handle all that? And do you still have a relationship with that person? We do. She actually is, she has watched Zeke from the time he's our third son. And he was born two years after Toby died. Mm -hmm. And when we were pregnant with Zeke, you know, we said to our babysitter, we want you to, to tell us if you're comfortable watching him because we wanted her and her family are have gone through grief as well and have their own level of loss. And they are, they are just amazing people and have been supportive to us from the very beginning. She loves our children like they were hers. And so we have been blessed in that circumstance that that is our relationship Mm -hmm. with her and that she continues to love our children and she continues to acknowledge and talk about Toby with Luke and with Zeke now, oh, you know? Wow, and so, great. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so thank you for asking that, first of all, because I, I, I want to say that I think a lot of times when there are other people involved in the events of the day, people often focus on the parents, understandably so, and their feelings and everything. But when there are other people involved, I think they sometimes don't get acknowledged and their grief doesn't get acknowledged. Mm -hmm. But it's so important to really recognize that and understand that they too are grieving, albeit a different way than Dan and I are, but there's still pain in their life and there's still pain that they will carry and their lives are changed from that day. And so she is still a part of our family and she's been with Zeke from the time I stayed home on maternity leave with Zeke a little longer than I had with Toby just because of everything that had happened. And really from a trauma perspective, I didn't want to go back to work at the same Mm -hmm. time as I had with Toby and whatnot. So I was fortunate that I was able to stay home with Toby for about five months. And so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much a blessing and it was just so helpful to our family. And so when it was time to go back to work and for Zeke to go to daycare while I was at work. She was ready and um, she did a very, very good job. That's incredible. That Yeah, that warms my heart. I, I mean, as you explained the story, I didn't realize that Toby passed away in the home of a babysitter. And I can only mm-hmm. imagine just like the pain she feels yeah. of, of just yeah. the responsibility factor. So that's wonderful that you guys are, are still together, as you put it, uh, a family. Yeah. Yeah, we are. If you're listening to this podcast, one of the reasons may be because you're interested in having your death or a loved one's death be celebrated in in a different way to to think outside the box a little bit. I, I personally really like the idea of that. And that's why I'm partnering with a company called Spirit Vessel, who creates these guided personalized ceremonies for yourself or, or a loved one. Well, just to give you a little bit of background, Spirit Vessel is a sister-owned company that is bringing sacred ceremonies around death back into the home in a beautiful and meaningful way. I love it. I love the idea of of making it more personal. And I've experienced wakes and funerals that it felt so cold and, and wish that I could inject a little bit more personality and, and more storytelling to help the grieving process. Spirit Vessel has these handcrafted ceramic urns, and personalized celebration of life ceremony packages that can be done in the comfort of your home or through webcasting services. Whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one, preparing for an imminent death, or taking steps to plan for your own death, Spirit Vessel provides resources to help you respond from your heart with creativity and courage. So basically you can design your own creative and and personalized intimate ceremony that represents the person who you're celebrating. And there's also tips to help people who are grieving going forward. So whether you're interested in the celebration of life ceremony packages, or you'd like to check out or order one of their handcrafted ceramic urns, which are so cool, by the way, check out Spirit Vessel. And if you do order anything, feel free to use the promo code DEATHSPACE for free shipping. If you're like me, it can be really hard to come up with 
the words to say in a card. I know. I always laugh, too, because talk about 10 years of improv training down the drain. <laughs> Not being able to come up with anything. But especially, that's especially... But that's especially... But that's especially so. I don't know why I can say especially. There you go. Perfect. I can say it. <laughs> During times of grief, or when someone loses someone. But thankfully, there's the card studio. There are no words to comfort in a time of deep loss, but you send a card because you care. Yeah, because as we've learned through this podcast, sending something, saying anything, is better than saying nothing. The card studio creates your message, writes it in your card, and mails it for you. See? They'll help you out. You have the intention, the cardist has the words, bing, bang, boom. All you do is pick the card and tell why you're sending it. No anxiety, all care. For a message from your heart, but not your hands. Just sit back and enjoy your relationships. You know, you don't want to have that awkward feeling like, ah, was that too much? Did I say too much? Am I talking too much? As I'm literally talking too much? As opposed to figuratively talking too much, Pat. All right. (laughs) My inner voice is kind of mean to me. TheCardistStudio.com, thoughtful, just got easy. And better yet, you can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. You ever lie in your resume? Huh? Look at me. Look at me when you're lying. No, you should never do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but it can be daunting to, to look at a, a job listing, see everything that you have and, and things that you probably don't have. But we can fix that with my software tutor. My Software Tutor offers three levels of real-time Zoom-based courses with a live instructor. So I'm going to keep you on task. They've seen it. They've heard it. They've seen the resumes. They know the holes. But they're here to help. They all deliver practical, functional business skills in a friendly and supportive environment. It'd be funny if it really wasn't a supportive environment. When are you going to understand this? (laughs) Of course, that's not the case. That's just the anxiety or, or... or reliving fear dreams we had as children. These courses will increase your marketability. The job market couldn't be better right now. So it's a perfect time to invest in yourself and and improve that resume. Whether you're an employee, job seeker, consultant, or contractor. You can sign up for these classes at mysoftwaretutor.com and use the promo code POD20 to save 20% off all registrations. Would you look at that? All right, enjoy that new job. I definitely want to also talk about the decision to get pregnant again and what that may have felt like and the emotions surrounding that. But let's go back to talking to Luke and then Zeke later on, what it's like to, or how you approached talking about the loss of of their brother with them. Mm -hmm. I guess with Luke, when we came home from the hospital that evening, we came home and a lot of our family were at our house and they were there with Luke. And so he was really oblivious to what was going on, which is obviously a a blessing that he didn't realize the trauma. But I remember when we came home, he was still awake and it was, I don't know, it was probably about nine 30 or so. And, and, saying like, we need to put him to bed. And so we took him up and, and laid him down and we did prayers with him as we normally do for bedtime. And I remember saying to him, just tell Toby good night, because it was the only thing that I could even think to say to him at that point in time. And uh, 
My mom stayed with us that evening and through the night. And I just remember, I mean, I was just beside myself. Like I didn't, I had no idea. I'm like, what are we going to, we have to tell him, like, what are we going to tell him? Um, she just said to me, you know, like you tell him whatever you feel like you should tell him. The next morning when he got up and was having breakfast, Dan and I sat in the kitchen with him. And I mean, again, this is another memory that is just like ingrained in my mind. Like I can see him sitting there in the high chair and he was eating waffles and Dan and I were sitting in front of him and we, we were just kind of talking to him. And we said to him, we want to tell you that Toby died. And we, I mean, literally he was, Luke turned two, two weeks after Toby died. So you're talking about a nearly two-year-old that you're saying this to. And he just kind of looked at us. And um, I think Dan said something to the effect of, do you, un- do you know what that means? Or do you understand? Or something like that. Well, knowing that he probably didn't. We just said, you know, that means that he's not going to be here with us every day. Like, he has been. And he, Luke said, why? And um, we just said, we don't know. We don't know why, but he's not here with us anymore. And he's in heaven and he's with Jesus, which means that anytime you want to talk to him, you can talk to him and he'll hear you. And he's also right here in your heart. And he pointed to his heart and he like held it for a minute and um, he just like looked at us and he could tell, I mean, Dan and I were both crying and he could tell just looking at us that something was wrong because he hadn't, I mean, this emotion was, we hadn't shown this emotion in front of Luke before. That was pretty much the conversation, honestly. And he went through the next couple days, which were the funeral and the mass and burial and things like that. And he did everything that he needed to do. And he was just there. But like I said, you know, those days following those weeks following, he became our rock because for us and well, for Luke, really, he didn't realize that our lives had stopped because of what had happened and because of Toby's death. So for him as a two-year-old, he wanted to play. He wanted to laugh. He wanted someone to sit with him and read him a book and things like that. And so for us, that's what I really go back to as like, he was what was pulling us forward and telling us keep going for him. And so, and from there, you know, I will say, and, and we've had a lot of people say this to us actually in the very beginning, I would say probably in the first six or eight months, we would see people uh, run into people in different places that hadn't seen us since Toby had died. And, you know, they'd ask about Luke and then they'd say, oh, he, he's too young. He won't remember. Don't worry about him. He won't remember. And that was the one thing, one of the things for Dan and I that really was like, "Mm." No, like that didn't sit right with us because he did remember Luke would be playing and just 
start talking about Toby. Like to Toby would like this, or maybe Toby would like to play with this, or do you think Toby would like, you know, something? And he wanted to talk about him. And so we very much kept that conversation open with Luke and were just open to talking with him about whatever he wanted to talk about. And there were times where he'd say, I miss, I miss Toby. Can I, can I go get his picture from, you know, wherever? And he'd just take his picture with him like around the house and like hold it because he wanted, he wanted something substantial that represented Toby to like be with him. And for Dan and I, that was just, we knew that we were doing it the right way for us as parents and for Luke because of the way that Luke reacted and the way that Luke just loved Toby just like he was here, you know, just as a brother should and talked about him in that way. When we brought Zeke home from the hospital, it was, it was just incredible to watch Luke with him because he was so loving and he just wanted to be with him all the time and help him. And at that point, Luke was four. It was also, Luke was the first to really talk to Zeke about Toby. Mm when he was just a couple weeks old, just to tell him that I'm your older brother and you have another brother too, but he's not here. And just explain to him that this is the situation and you're the youngest of mm -hmm. like us. And like, mm -hmm. again, just as conversations as brothers would, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for us at that point, it was, it was just a, a realization and a really heartfelt way to know that it didn't matter what we did in life or where we were as a family, but Toby would always be a part of that. And not only would, not only because Dan and I wanted it, but because Luke wanted it too. Mm. And so that's just been the, the remarkable experiences with Luke going through something such as death at such a yeah. young age. Yeah. And how old is Luke now? Is he like six or seven? Seven. seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And does he ever talk, does he remember you think, or, or does he talk about the, those times? He remembers things that we did with Toby. Yes. Like okay. he remembers oh, wow. like going to the pool and things like that. Like he'll, he'll talk about that, especially, especially through the summer, like this past summer, just talking about things. One, there's a amusement park close to us called Idlewild. We took the boys there when Toby was alive and we still go there a lot with the kids. And we were there this past summer. He has seen pictures from that time when we were there too and mm. knows them. And, um, we were on the train at Idlewild and he said, remember when we were on here, like, and we had Toby and he was here with us too. Like he remembers all of that. And I just, for me, I feel like children, children are so in tune with what is happening. They're more in tune with what is happening than we as adults even realize. And their emotions are so real and just come from a place of 
not only love because that's what they know, but curiosity and just wanting to know the truth. And so when I look back at the way that Dan and I explained where Toby was or wasn't that first day after he died to Luke, I just think that that was the best thing that could have come from that conversation that day is just to be perfectly honest with him and know that he will understand the way that he needs to understand. I think that Luke will have a relationship with Toby for the rest of his life that will be very, very different from any relationship that any of us, Dan or I, or even Zeke will have with Toby. And I think that that's special and I'm glad that he can have that and that he does have that. Absolutely. I think it's, I don't want to tell anyone how to handle these mm-hmm. discussions with their kids, but it, I have to think that being honest, it allows them to sort of begin their own journey with grief that they're, they're going to unfortunately experience throughout their life. And, and so right. starting them on that journey feels right to me. Again, not right. telling anyone else how to, how to do that. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, You can't tell anyone, at least from our perspective, nothing that we ever say, nor the way that we talk about it is really to say like, this is how you do it. (laughs) Because Mm. if anyone that has gone through grief knows there, there is absolutely no rule book or no, (laughs) no right path to follow of how to get from here to there. We say, we, we say this and we talk about it because this is just our experience and it's what felt right for mm-hmm. us as parents when you when you go through any situation whether it's traumatic or not just life experiences with children you sometimes think like oh did i do that right as a parent did i approach that correctly and you have certain situations that that happen after that conversation has occurred that you can sometimes look at and say, okay, maybe we need to go back and revisit this, or maybe we need to have this conversation Mm -hmm. a different way. And I just really don't think that we could have had a better discussion or that the relationship that has stemmed from that truth at the very beginning of from Toby's death with Luke could have been any better. And I, I really, I really hope and pray that as Luke grows and continues to develop into who he is as a person and what he wants to talk about and who he becomes from his journey and his childhood. I just really hope that he can look back at that and know that yes, there, he, he experienced something as a young child that no one ever wants their children to experience. And he had things taken away from him too. Growing up with a brother that's that close in age to him, that the relationship that he would have had with Toby had Toby been here and them playing outside and and playing sports and going through school and, and all those things that are so hard for Dan and I to look at right now. I try to think too that like Luke in his own way is carrying that and going through it alone, you know, at this point in time, because Toby should be next to him and he's not. And so I just never want to forget that or get lost in my own grief that I am not acknowledging Luke's because his is there too. All right. Absolutely. And, and 
completely different, right? Yours is different yeah. than the babysitters, yeah. than Luke's. Grief takes many forms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What was it like with having making the decision to get pregnant again and, and up through Zeke being a baby? I'm sure there were so many emotions. What was that like? Was it hard? Oh my, yes. Yes <laughs> to all of that. We didn't know if we wanted to get pregnant again. We honestly, it was such a teeter-totter for us back and forth. We always wanted to have a large family that was from the very beginning, even before Luke was born. And we wanted, in our hearts, we knew that we wanted Luke to have someone here with him to grow up. But looking at it from the perspective of a parents, I mean, we were scared to death. I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know that there are words to describe the fear that you have inside of you. There's just the uncertainty of the unknown. How do we know that this, that we're not going to have to do this again? Yeah. How do we know that this isn't going to happen again to us or that something isn't going to be wrong? And you have every single question and every single thought that you don't even want to think go through your mind. And for Dan and I, it was honestly, when we found out that we were pregnant with Zeke, we really said, this is, this is God's way of telling us that we're ready. Whether we think we're ready or not, we're ready. And this baby is absolutely 100% going to be a blessing to all of us not only to Dan and I and Luke, but to our parents, our brothers and sisters, our extended family and friends who, again, have their own piece of grief that they have gone through with the loss of our son, the death of our son. And so it was scary at first, and it was very, very emotional. There were ups and downs to it all. But I think the pregnancy with Zeke, at least for me, I feel like during that time was when I really was able to come to the realization that both joy and grief and sadness can live in the same Mm. breath. And that is something that Prior to that time, two years after those two years following Toby's death, I really didn't know if I would ever feel that, genuinely feel that again. I mean, I wanted to as a person. I, I, I knew that I had felt it and experienced it before, but it just felt so dark. And so to be able to be reassured that everything was good. The pregnancy was good. We did all of the tests even more than we had with, with Luke and Toby for Zeke and getting to the point of delivery. And I feel like that for me was where the real fear came because I knew that that was the point where he was going to be like physically with us and we were going to take him home. And then what were we going to do? Like that's when that sets off a whole nother set of, of triggers. And so during that time, well, I guess probably six or eight months after 
Toby had passed away, Dan and I decided that we wanted to do something in his memory. So we started a foundation called The Little Fox, Toby's Foundation. Our website is thelittlefoxfoundation.org. We talk a lot about safe sleep education, importance of safe sleep, how to put your baby down correctly in safe sleep environments. And so there's some educational pieces on there and our story, the rest of our story is on there. So there and our social media also Facebook and Instagram, we are available there and we post everything that we do and the families that we work with and just the the ways that we are helping and uh, carrying on Toby's memory through through those those pieces and those projects. I love that. That's such a, a beautiful way of channeling such a a tough, tough moment in your life to to help Thank others. You. Yeah. Thank you. Well, is there, is there anything I missed related to SIDS, the Little Fox Foundation, your family, or anything that you would like to say? No, I mean, I think we, we covered a lot, and thank you for the opportunity to talk about all of that. I really, really feel like it's important for anyone going through grief, just keep going and know that some days are definitely worse than others, but you can you can get through them and that you're not alone in grief. It doesn't matter what kind of grief that you're going through. You're not, you're not alone. And there are a lot of ways to deal with grief. And I feel like it's, it's good and it's important and it's healthy for those of us walking through it to try different things that might help us. And I feel like that's really important. And it's, if that reaches one person that it, can help, then then this is 100% worth me talking and continuing to talk about our story. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all incredible advice. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. I, I wish thank you. you and your family all the best. And Thank you. Yeah, thanks again. Man, it's hard not to get emotional listening to Katie's story. I mean, there's no reason to fight against the emotions welling up. It's a good thing to allow yourself to to feel them. But yeah, I remember listening to Katie talk about it and there were definitely tears coming out of my eyes. It's it's a nightmarish situation what they went through. But it sounds like they have a great support system and I, I certainly wish them all the best. And yeah, please check out the Little Fox Foundation. Like I mentioned earlier and like Katie mentioned, there's a lot of education and they're, they're offering things that can help parents live a little easier and ultimately that's what we're trying to do here with this podcast too well it definitely felt good to get a little break you know i feel a little rusty as i'm as i was connecting my microphone and remembering everything that i like to say in the intro and and the closing here but it's also good because you you miss it right like sometimes it's good to have a, a break but then when you come back to it you're like oh yeah let's do it which is uh which is a good thing i mean if I was laboring through making this podcast, I don't think I'd be making it for much longer. <laughs> and I hadn't had a week off since I started posting this podcast and my other podcast. That gives me anxiety, which I began posting them in mid-February. So that's a long stretch to keep going. Well, as always, thank you so, so much for listening. And once again, I'd like to mention and thank the sponsors. Spirit Vessel, use the promo code DEATHSPACE, one word, for free shipping on personalized urns and the celebration of life ceremony packages. The Cardis Studio, you can use the promo code DEATHPOD, one word, for 10% off all orders. 
And my software tutor, you can use the promo code POD20 for 20% off all orders. Thanks again to all those companies. Hope your Thanksgiving was wonderful. And I'll talk to you next Thursday.